Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Page and to be joined here with my friend and the magnificent Danny Hig, uh, Danny Higginbotham, on the Monday morning after Oli Gunnar Solskjaer somewhat predictably has now been sacked. Um, you know, I'm a Match Native fan, uh, always from the era of when I was a young man. I have tremendous memories. Danny, you, of course, shared a dressing with him, your personal friend of his. Um, I think we probably share the same views on this. I mean, there's going to be people listening to this podcast who don't ever respect that. But um, from a human perspective, I am devastated for Ollie. Uh, mm. Just a lovely man, someone I really like. I want to apologize for liking him. Right? There's some scandalous stuff I see on Twitter I don't understand. I want to apologize for liking him. I want to apologize for feeling hurt. I want to apologize for the fact that I feel much worse than what I did with Mourinho went. I was wanting Mourinho to go. I didn't want I, I, I accepted that it was time for a change with Ollie, but I take no pleasure in the process and 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 the fact that he's been sacked and this his exit interview to me wasn't an exit interview. It was an interview of Ollie still being involved with Manchester just in another capacity because he will be involved with Manchester until he dies. Um, what's your take on everything that's happened last 24 hours now? I think that there's there's two sides to it. I think first and foremost, on on a human level and a personal level, I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, from when I was from when I was a kid there, and you know he would come and play in um, some reserve team games with us mm-hmm. and things like that. The advice that he would give us in the dressing room, the few times that I played in the first team, absolutely brilliant. To the day when he took over as as caretaker. Uh, manager and he had a lot of time for me on the phone you know and this was regardless of what anybody thinks one of the the biggest and toughest jobs in the world and and he'd you know he'd been given it on a on a caretaker basis at the time but he was always on the end of a phone especially with the work that I'm doing if I was covering a Manchester United game so on that side of things on a human level as a human being he is an incredible human being you know, he's, so, mm-hmm. he's such a good guy. Everything yeah. you see is just pure honesty from him. There's never a time when there's an act. And I remember from the first day when I spoke to him, when he got the job, you know, and, and, and I remember saying to him, you know, what is your aim? He never went away from those aims. Mm-hmm. But then what you have to do, you have to separate the two. Like I say, I've got all the time in the world for Ollie. I wanted him to be successful at Manchester United. I want him to, to bring back the, the, the glory days that we've been so fortunate and spoiled with for, mm-hmm. for the majority of, of our lives. Um, but that wasn't to be. So as much as I wanted him to be successful, as much as anybody out there, I think the time had come where, you know, the, the, the part in the parting of the ways was probably for the best, because one of the things that I've done over the last few years, when I look at Manchester United and first and foremost, obviously, you know, you, you try and look at it from a neutral perspective, but then you have a, a supporters perspective as well. And, one of the things that, that I always had in the back of my mind was if any other manager had this group of players, and I'm not talking about this season, I'm talking about previous seasons, mm-hmm. could they have finished? Yeah. Would they have done any would they have done any better or, uh, or a third in the league or would they have done any better of finishing second in the league? Okay, you know, a, a long distance behind the, the eventual winners. Then my answer at the time would have been probably no. That changed this season. You know, the summer yeah. signings, Varane yeah. coming in, Sancho coming in, Ronaldo. All of a sudden, you're looking, you're thinking, this is a group that has to be challenging now. This has to be challenging at the top of the Premier League. And the season started okay, you know, with the goals that they scored and things like that. But surely, slowly but surely, the, the results got worse. And I think that, you know, we know the rivalry with Liverpool. We know the rivalry with Manchester City. But for me, Watford was the worst of the lot. Yeah. I would agree with um, that. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So that's why you have to separate the two. And that's not me being disrespectful to, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I think he's an unbelievable individual. I think he did everything that he could, left no stone unturned to be successful, but it just wasn't to be. So that's where I think you can't have your judgment clouded because he's a great guy. But I do believe that the, the time had come for the, the for the parting of the ways, which I was I was yeah. gutted about. Yeah, there's no too. question about that. Mm-hmm. I was I was gutted about it. But as in terms of football side of things, it probably was, you know, the the right decision. And obviously, social speaking, afterwards, it looks as though it was something he wanted to do himself. And you can see the emotion in it. This isn't this isn't a man that's just 
okay, well, yeah, you know, Manchester United, I move on to someone else. And that's not him, you know. He, he's he's embedded in, in Manchester United, their history as a player. He knows the club inside out. And what he, what he did at the club as well. And I think the one thing, if it had carried on for a few more months, my one concern was that all the hard work that he'd done would have, un- yes. would have been unravelled. Yes. And it was going that way. It was going that way really quickly. And we all know when things are good, it's brilliant when you're on that constant climb, and this is anything mm-hmm. in life, but it can take you a certain amount of time to get a club where you want it to be or challenging, but then it can be unraveled within five minutes. And I think that, you know, that can be the issue. Don, you know, when I look at this, you're absolutely right because uh, it had a lot of credibility in the bank towards the end of last season. He finished second. He had probably, he had the best away record in the history of the Premier League. That wasn't an accident. And I felt if he left Manchester United in the summer, he would get another Premier League job, right? Because, and I don't think that should be forgotten. And I think when the dust sells and all of this, the pain of life for Liverpool um, City will disappear and there'll be a different analysis on Solskjaer's tenure. And I think, all being said, all being said and done, I don't think he he done a bad job. Done, you know, he got a couple of top four finishes. Right, and when you you said something there that I think is really important, could have been another manager have done a better job with these players. I don't think Manchester United have had a squad in the last four years, or or, or at least during t- Solskjaer's tenure that was championship winning material. So realistically, even if you'd have had the best manager in the world, would you United have won the league? I don't think so. I don't think United would have done much better than what they've done. You, you could argue they should have won a Europa League. They could argue they should have won an FA Cup. Fine. Right? But I'm talking about the, 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 the trophies that you need to defend themselves by the European Cup and the Premier League. I don't think at any time during these last four or five years you need to have had a score capable. However, what I will say, they are closer now than they've ever been. Now, I felt it's odd because I felt that normally I criticize the club done, right? But I'm going to say something. I completely understood why you needed to give them the job, right? If Canton I comes in, just, just to give you a, a, an example. If they can't deny him as an interim manager, next 10, 15 games, you need to play forward, swashbuckling football, battering teams, you know, playing amazing. You would be a hard, you, you'd be a lone voice to come out and say, don't give them that job, right? And mm. every decision is emotional, right? You don't make, we're human beings. So I understood because it wasn't just about the results and the way they were playing. It was about the fact that it was such a contrast to what we had under Mourinho. And it finally felt like Solskjaer was one of our own, right? That the club was restoring somewhat of its identity, things that it had lost its way. And maybe, yes, they stumbled upon a solution. But nonetheless, I completely understood why they gave him the job. But I completely understand now why they have to terminate this, right? Mm. Um, it's a dereliction of duty, the alert to continue. And Solskjaer, in my opinion, had to be safe from himself because he didn't want, wasn't going to quit. And I, yeah. I don't have to be honest, the other part that concerned me was I maybe I'm, I'm I'm being dramatic here, but I saw a noticeable physical deterioration and all he looked at John just dies, they looked very tired of mm. stress. I mean, it can only natural. So um I understood why United made this decision. Um but now comes the other question. It's easy to identify a problem fixing it's another thing altogether. We're talking about Pacchettino, right? Mm. Now for me, Donny, I want someone that and you'll notice there's a difference between a good coach and a good manager. They're two different things, mm-hmm. right? They can be the same, but they're different, right? You can have a good coach as a good manager, but they're very different roles, right? Ferguson wasn't, you, you know, he wasn't massively hands-on on the training ground, right? It was, no. so, so he's a manager, right? Brilliant one. I look at Pacchettino and I say, is Pacchettino offended at losing, right? He's a great coach. And how long would it take before Pacchettino's failures to be amplified um, the first time he hits a bad run. Does he have the credibility to walk in that dressing room and command immediate respect from those players in the way as a Dan would, right? Does he have the ability and the trust of those players to buy into him 100% given that he hasn't won major trophies? Uh, he should have done in France. Um, do you, Would you go for a Pacchettino? It's it's a difficult one. I think just just obviously finishing finishing off with with the Solskjaer scenario mm-hmm. is that since he got the job, there was constant progression. There was constant progression, and 
not constant progression that you're talking about with what you're used to seeing with Manchester United years gone by, which is going and winning trophies. You know, it was finishing higher in the league. It was, you know, mm-hmm. bringing in better players, bringing the average age of the squad down. And the summer, the, the summer that we've just had was always going to be a significant moment because he was backed. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you're bringing in these players. And this is a squad. I'm not saying it's a squad that, that are going to beat Chelsea to the title or are going to beat a Manchester City or a Liverpool to the title. But it's a squad that should be getting close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that for me is was one of the was was one of the problems because the outlay was spent in the summer. The money was spent to to make the squad stronger, to be challenging. And they're not able to do that. They've not been able to able to do that. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Manchester City, Liverpool and Chelsea are are light years away the moment and and that's that's going to be the concern now now we look at the next manager the thing is when when i look at chelsea liverpool and manchester city they are very very much when they do things they're very much proactive so yeah. if they're getting rid of a manager there's a new manager coming in a few days later you know we've seen it we saw it with with chelsea we saw it with liverpool and you know i think with with manchester city as well when when guardiola came in my concern is, I don't think United have got any idea what they're doing. I do. Yeah, and and so, so the problem you've got now, what are you doing? Are you writing the rest of this season off? In, in, my, in my opinion, unless, you know, people are saying, well, Pochettino next summer, or people are saying we can go and get X, Y, and Z next summer. What if you've got no Champions League football next summer? Well, there's the is, other... Is that gonna... Sorry, mate, go oh, sorry is, is that going to put managers off coming? Because what you're doing is... Listen, Michael Carrick, a Manchester United legend, you know, you've got Mike Thielen there as well and things like that. But basically what you're doing, when the manager goes, you're getting you're getting somebody that was part of that process that exactly the same, uh, probably sees the game the same way as Solskjaer. You're, you're having him take over and I, I get that. And if it's potentially for two or three games, you look at it and think, yeah, I can see that while we can wait to get this new manager in. But... I don't know anything at all. You know, I only see the reports and things like that. But for me, it, it looks like any managerial appointments not going to be till next summer. That's that's where I have the issue. That's my problem. Well, how do you go to someone like Cristiano Ronaldo? Say we're writing off for season, Ronnie. Right? Well, given the fact that he's 36, you know, he, he doesn't have a season to write off anymore, Danny. You know, and at the end of the season, you're losing Cavani, you're losing Pogba, you're losing Lingard, right? Each of those players will need to be replaced, at least two of them anyway, right? So when you say you don't know what you needed to do, and I felt that this situation was allowed to be dragged on longer than what it should have been because of that uncertainty, because I understand that, you know, uh, my colleague interviewed Les Reed a while ago, and he was talking about the fact that Southampton, they always had a, a contingency just in case because there's always a, a high probability. You have to. Yeah. Well, in that position, the club like Southampton, yeah. you, and you know this better than anyone when you played there. <clears throat> um, if you aren't preparing for losing a manager, right? Like when Pacchettino goes, Cumin came in right away, right? You aren't preparing for that. You're again directing your duty. You need to be doing that. But at United, you're going, do we, you know, how do we do that? without being disrespectful to a club legend. Hey, I know you're a legend, but we've got to always look at alternatives. You know, maybe they didn't want to do that, but I still think it's pertinent. Don't necessarily need to be interviewing people, but you should be building profiles of people because this is fluid, Dan, right? This is constantly changing. Who's caught today may not be had 20. We see this with Mourinho. Mm-hmm. They think change all the time. And I don't like the analysis of, He's a bit good. He'll do. He's got a good track record of success, which I feel is exactly what happened with Van Hal, and I feel that's exactly what happened with Mourinho. You never are predictable in the sense of like a pendulum, right? So you extrapolate logic. You know, they go in this direction. That doesn't work. They're going to go in this direction. That doesn't work. They'll go back in this direction. You know, you hear this nonsense. Well, we're not bringing in top-class people anymore because that hasn't worked in the past. Have you ever heard such nonsense? Well, you're like, can you imagine mm-hmm. Real Madrid mm-hmm. saying, we're not sending the best players in the world because Eden Zard didn't work out? I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Yes. So I feel that there's no common sense or behind any of these red lines. You know, there has to be good reasoning, consistency. But, and then I look at, well, Someone like a Ten Hag or someone, a visionary appointment like an Eaglesman, do you need to really have the structure internally for one of those guys to thrive? 
I don't that, know. That's that that's the problem that you have, Bill. It's like you you look at you look at managers that, that go to certain clubs. So your top managers when they're going to other top clubs. So for example, Tuchel, the clubs that he's been at, he goes to Chelsea, and it's like, yeah, I see the similarities here. You know, I've got this, I've got that, mm-hmm. I've got this, whatever it may yeah. be. Jurgen Klopp, he's at Dortmund. Goes to Liverpool, probably got everything that he had at Dortmund and more. Guardiola goes to Manchester City, all the things that he wants and he needs, he's got it. You get a top manager coming to Manchester United now, they have next to nothing in place that with what your successful clubs will have and what they have had over the years. You know, I, I look at, obviously, Mike Phelan was there. He was probably as, as close to as a director of football as what Manchester United have realistically had over the years. I think the fact that Solskjaer got the club, Michael Carrick gets the club, I think that made the transition for them at first easier because they know what Manchester United stand for. But you're going to go, you're going to go and get a top manager and bring him into the club and there's going to be... Manchester United is a huge football club, arguably one of the biggest football clubs in the world. But do they behave like it? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that, that's the difference. And, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. What I'm saying is that if you look at how things work, everybody talks, when you talk about, when you talk about the top teams in European football, one of, the, one of the most important pieces of the jigsaw, you talk about the director of football, you speak about the relationship the director of football has with the manager. The manager says, this is a type of player I want the director of football. It's like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to go and get it. And if I can't get him, then I'm going to give you a certain amount of players yeah. that fit that category. I, that doesn't seem to be the way with Manchester United. It's as though you've got, when Solskjaer was there, it was as though you had Solskjaer and obviously you had, you had Ed Woodward. And to a certain extent, that was it. Whereas you look at other clubs and they've got the manager and then they've got another three or four people behind him that can make things happen. So to a certain extent, you're saying to a manager, listen, come to this football club and it's one of the biggest clubs in the world and you're not just going to be a manager. You're going to have all these other jobs to do as well. And that's that for me is, is the concern, but also the fact of, if, you, if you've got a plan in place and you're being proactive instead of reactive, then you, give, you don't give Solskjaer one more game. His final game isn't Watford. His final mm-hmm. game is before the international break. Mm-hmm. Then the powers that be, if they want to get a new manager in place, the talks can begin. You've got two weeks to sort things out. But now they've, they've, done, it on a, they've done it on a day. Obviously, they've been beaten by Watford. He goes the next day. Then they've got a Champions League game. Then they've got a game against Chelsea. It, it just, it yeah. makes no sense to me. They mm-hmm. make the, I just feel as though, and like I say, Manchester United is a club that's really close to my heart and I want them to be really successful. But I just feel that they make decisions, but when they've made a decision, they don't know what to do next. Yeah. And time, time is of the essence in football. We, we know that football is all about timing on the pitch and as importantly, off the pitch as well. There's some things down I don't understand, right? And, and I, I accept that this may be a lazy analysis on my part, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not privileged to all the details, but it seems like you need to spend an awful lot of time focusing on anything other than football. Because I'm looking at this going, you know, this is, if you go back to when Solskjaer, uh, before he sent Bruno Fernandes, he almost he was on, on a knife edge then, right? I mean, in relegation form up until January. Um, and you're going, this is one of the most key uh, appointments and, and positions in the in the football club, right? There, it, it is, in, it is a one of the positions you can't make a mistake in, right? I can understand not having uh, an immediate replacement or someone who fits the profile of what you want for the janitor, but I can't understand for the manager because surely it's someone's job, Danny to be in charge of the football side of the club to say, we need to ask what ifs. I need to ask, what if I lose a right back? What if I lose a left back? What if I lose a centre midfielder? We have to have something that's within arm's reach to make sure this football club doesn't come to a ground and halt. Like, that mm. is happening right now. And, like, what is, if you go back to looking at all the other managers that get sacked, right? I think they really wanted to avoid what happened with Moyes, where it was in the media and the press before they sacked him, Right. Uh, United were being very coy um, after Watford about what was going on with Solskjaer and they didn't want to put that out there and I understood that. Um, But the problem is 
Suzuki should have been spurred that last two weeks and with an international break because the analysis was was horrendous. And I'm glad he went back mm-hmm. to Norway and shut it all off. Yeah. But Danny, once you once the weight of evidence for you keeping your job comes down to 90 minutes, you're sacked anyway. You go back to Martin Edwards. Martin Edwards said he wasn't going to sack Ferguson. Maybe maybe, maybe he was, I don't know. If they had a loss against Forrest because of all the other work that's going on at the football club, right? Mm-hmm. But just like you said, you can't evaluate somebody solely on just a 90-minute game. There has to be, what about this? What about this? What about this? Because the weight of evidence, it, 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 it's you know, it's a much, it's a macro picture, not a micro picture. Once you reduce it to an 80-minute game, then it, it's over anyway. That shouldn't happen. The, the Solskjaer shouldn't have been in charge for Watford. He shouldn't have been taken. And I hope he stays involved with football club in some yeah. capacity. But, man, I really worry about... Because here, here's here's my... Sorry, man, that this is a labor disappointment. Mm. But one of the things that United must have that they can't do in the future, that they did in the past, that they, or they must do today that they haven't done in the past, is they have to bring in a guy that is consistent with the ideology of the football club so that it's not revolution and it's just evolution. So that someone comes in and says, this is the way we play. Your characteristics, your ideology has to be consistent with what we have. So that I'm not going to advance seven, eight new players to get a new squad and then we're overhauling the game. Do you trust United to have some? Because what is Solskjaer's identity? And do you trust that someone that's going to come in is going to be similar to that? I think I think the problem is if you're if you're looking and saying, you know, as, as you quite rightly said, you know, to for him to lose his job or not lose his job because of the result at Watford makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So he must have been on the edge going into that Watford sure. game. So knowing full well that a manager is on the edge going into a Watford game, you do you 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 do your due diligence during the international break. Mm-hmm. And now what we're finding is is that obviously you know you've you've got you've got another caretaker situation, but that's not solving the problem now. As in terms of bringing a manager in that fits the idealistics and the ideology of Manchester United. Solskjaer, when he first came in, he brought an identity back to Mm -hmm. the football club. He brought that back to the football club. And I think the fact of being a Manchester United legend coming back to the club, I think he just, he put a smile on everybody's face, the way that he spoke, the way that he tried to get his teams to play football. But I just feel as though over, over the last few months, you know, with, signings that have come in and injuries that they've had. I, I, I haven't seen an identity. I haven't seen an identity within, w- within the last period of, of quite a while. I've not seen that identity. So therefore, what is the ideals of Manchester United? When we talk yeah. about, well, you know, it's, it's this way and it's that way, we've got it. Why does it have to be that? Why does yeah. it have to be that? Because a lot of people are going away from that now. You know, you look at mm-hmm. you look at teams that are having success, success, and the argument will be, well, no, there's the Manchester United way. Well, what is the Manchester United way? I know what I know what the Sir Alex Ferguson way was, yes. but that was a long time ago. So yes, you want everybody in an ideal world wants to have these ideals of how their football club plays and how they do this and how they do that. It's not how football is now, though. Mm-hmm. You look at you look at Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp went in there. Yep. Did it brick by brick? Was given the time, yeah. and quite rightly so. And look what he's done there. Mm-hmm. You look at Tuchel. He comes in, changes the system completely, goes and spends money, and gets and, and is near enough getting instant success, or did get instant success. You look at Guardiola. He came into the club, had the way that he wanted to play, but all those managers that have come in. All those three managers, which I put as the, the the three in recent times, bringing in Tuchel now, three managers that have probably had the most success in the Premier League or, you know, Champions League with Tuchel. And I only say Tuchel because he's been there a short amount of time, but they will win the Premier League this year, in my opinion. I said and, as I felt that when they sent him yeah. back in. You know, I, I now, and, and, and he won the Champions League. But what I would say, Phil, is that when Guardiola came into Manchester City, when Klopp went into Liverpool and when Tuchel went into Chelsea, did they stick to what the club's supposed yeah, principles were? Or did they say, no, these are my principles and these have given me success at other clubs? And that's that's what you have to do because if you turn around to a, I don't know, let me, if I was to throw some names at you now, say Guardiola or Klopp or Tuchel were at other clubs and Manchester United wanted them as their manager. 
Do you think they would come to a club if they said, listen, we know you've had success, but you're going to come to Manchester United and you're going to do things the mm. way that we do things? No, you turn around and say, listen, you're the reason we want you at this club is because you've had the success. Bring that success to here. And that may mean them changing the philosophy of the well, club and how they see things. And that's so be it. That's how things are. And that's how times have changed. Well, Dan, you heard Gary Neville say, when Solskjaer got the job, never again can a manager come to Manchester United and they have to bend to his will. You know, you should have a set structure in place like a Bayern Munich or Barcelona that says, this is who we are. This is our hardcore stamped identity. Yes, you can have subtle changes within that. I I, I, uh, I, I had Franz Hoke on here before and uh, he was telling me about when they went to Bayern Munich. And because uh, basically the way it worked is you go, you'd ask for a player and they'd say, you can have this player, this player, this player, this player, right? But you were given choices within set parameters right mm-hmm. and so uh, and they wanted you to play the same way on the 12th split right so that they could almost surgically take a player from the team yeah and, and and insert them now i think you can do that in germany because um there's such a massive advantage with Bayern munich over the rest of the league i think barcelona given their financial advantages everything else were also able to do that whereas united and going I'm not, I look at that United team saying, um, if, when you look at Tuchel coming to Chelsea, say wins the European Cup, wins the league, that's incredible. With very little, some minuscule changes really. Would a top coach come into this United team? Because ultimately what I'm asking is, is this a poorly coached team, Dan? Would a top coach come in and say, you know what, there's enough here to win the league or, or get close? Or do you think, do, I mean, look, I'll simplify the question. Are United a poorly coached team? Yeah, to a certain extent, yes. But I would also say they've got a lot of similar players. Okay. And that comes down sometimes to 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 recruitment. You know, you, you, you talk about Ronaldo coming in the summer and it was wonderful. It was brilliant to see, you know, a returning legend and things like that. But was a defensive midfielder not more necessity? Yeah. So th- these are the things. So it, it can be... It can be decision-making, which then leads to how you're going to do things on the pitch. But what I would go back to, and this is the thing, when when we talk about Manchester United, and this goes like I speak to my dad and, de- and I debate <laughs> with my dad about it all the time. My dad is living, and I say this to him, he's living 12, 13 years ago. Mm. So when you talk about Manchester United, well, you know what? This isn't the way we do things. I, I'm, I'm on that page 10, 12 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. But this isn't that it's not that Manchester United. There's right. there's a there's a resemblance to me, not 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 huge resemblance, but look at Liverpool when they had all that success. Mm-hmm. The boot room and, and all the different things, the way they would go about it. Eventually that had to stop. Mate, and then, just, just to interrupt you really quick. I almost yeah. feel like United are where Liverpool were under Doug Leash, right? They, where it's, they, they yeah. had to accept that this club legend isn't going to have this fairy tale end and it's painful. We have to let him go. And I almost feel that's where you need it are. And, but but the, the, the problem is, Phil, is that for, for so many Manchester United fans, and I'm not talking about the older generation, but for so many Manchester United fans, all they've known is success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they believe because it's Manchester United yeah, and because know. Sir Alex mm-hmm. Ferguson was manager mm-hmm. and because they've had world-class players in the past, uh, or that that gives them the right to have mm-hmm. success. Yeah. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, whether whether you want to accept it as a Manchester United fan or not, Manchester United are a million miles away from where they were 11 years ago. A million miles well, away. Well, let me ask you on that. Are they a million miles away from where they were a couple of months ago? Because you said something, down that was really interesting. That you said you needed a million miles off Liverpool and City, but you needed to start the season with the intent of, call, of competing for the league. And yes. I think that was a reasonable expectation. So how have United gone from a team finishing second? People lazy analysis saying Ronaldo and everything else, maybe they're right. I don't know. In your opinion, why are United, why did United go backwards this season? Because I feel that when so one of the one of the things that I look at is, and I know I keep bringing up Liverpool and Manchester City and Chelsea, but they are the teams that Manchester United should be competing with. So when I look at Chelsea, I see, and Manchester City and Liverpool, I see a collection of incredible players. 
but I also see a collection of incredible characters as in terms of managers on the pitch, mm-hmm. you know? So for Liverpool, you've got a Van Dijk, you've got a Henderson, you've got a Fabinho, you've got um, your Robertsons, you know, you've got, you've got players on the pitch that can manage the game and they deal with the situations. I look at Chelsea, you've got Aspilicueta, you've got Silva, you've got um, Rudiger, You've got Jorginho to a certain extent, managers on the pitch. I look at Manchester City, you've got Diaz, you've got Rodri, you've got Fernandinho, you've got a De Bruyne, um, you've got a Walker. Managers on the pitch. Now, if you go through every single goal that Manchester United have conceded this season, probably I would say 95% of them are near enough duplicates of the other. Which is either yeah, I think you never thought about that, yeah. Being caught on the counter attack, set pieces, set pieces. Now, what what do you have to do to stop being counted on? Organization, players being in positions, making sure that players are in the right position. Set pieces, mark your man. If it's zonal, make sure you're in the right area. Those goals that United conceded, your Liverpool's. Your Manchester City, your Chelsea's, they don't concede them. And that's not because of the quality of player. That is because the leadership skills within these other three teams, in my opinion, are greater than what United have. United leaders, a lot of Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool, their leaders are in the defensive third of the pitch. The players that I've just mentioned. Near enough, all of them, minus maybe De Bruyne, are all defensive players that lead on the pitch. I look at United and this season and last season, number one leader was Fernandes. Yeah. Ronaldo's coming and he's trying to lead by example. They're in the final third of the pitch. You know, you've got, you've got Harry Maguire, who's captain, obviously. He's, he's not having the greatest of times at the moment. And he's, yeah. getting, he's getting a lot of criticism. Listen, I don't... Yeah, and it's not just that. At the end of the day, you don't mean to do things. You know, he's going through a bad spell at the moment. Yeah. But I look at it, when you take Varane out of that United defence, there's not really, and it's through no fault of their own, that they're, they're not natural leaders. So therefore, you're going to concede on set pieces. You're going to concede on counterattacks. So that, for me, is as big a problem as the quality of the player. You could probably put, a lesser centre-back in that team or a lesser defensive midfielder and make United stronger defensively because he won't shut up and he's mm-hmm. ordering people around, he's ordering players around. And that's one of the biggest things that United are missing. Take the quality out of it that, you know, you look at the X factor that other teams have got. The biggest thing for me is your is your leadership skills. And that that's not all down to the manager. That's when you step over the white line. I remember playing against United years ago. You would come off the pitch with a headache when you played against Manchester United because every single one of those Manchester United players were demanding the best from their teammates. They were demanding more from them. They were pulling them up over every mistake. And that's why they won what they did. Don't get me wrong, they had world-class players, but the reason they won won what they won is because second best wasn't acceptable and you saw that on the pitch. I could be playing against United and getting beat four or five nil and they'd be having arguments on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is the big difference between your Liverpools, your Citys, your Chelsea's and your Manchester United's. They're, they're struggling with leadership on the pitch. And that, that's not being detrimental to players. That's not saying players are bad players. That's saying that that is a key ingredient. And if you haven't got that, you are going to struggle. Let me ask you, Dan, do you feel, we talked about uh, uh, mentality here, do you feel these players let Solskjaer down? Or do you feel, not just let him down, but also do you feel that he lost them? Listen, I've been, and, and it's, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. You know, I didn't, I didn't play on a consistent basis for Manchester United. I was fortunate enough to play four or five games for him. But I was, man, I, I was a derby, our manager got sacked, Jim Smith, you know, may he rest in peace. Um, I was at Southampton, Gordon Strachan. You know, okay, yeah, he he decided he wanted to leave. Um, you know, because and it was the beginning of the end when when he left. Paul I had Paul, I had Paul yeah. Sturrock that got that got sacked. Um, when I was at Sunderland, I had Roy Keane all season. When a manager gets sacked, if a manager isn't moving because he's being poached by a bigger club, 
if a manager gets sacked, 100% of the players have to take some responsibility. It's as simple as that. So regardless of whether you're top of the Premier League, regardless of whether you're bottom of the, you know, the, 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 national, the national League, the National Conference North, whatever you want to call it, Players have to the take responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> people, play, play, players have to take responsibility, and that that that's regardless of whatever level it is. But, but go on, sorry. No, I was going to say, okay, take responsibility is fine, Dan. But what I'm asking you is, do you feel players give up on Solskjaer? Do you feel that they consciously went out there and said, you know what, I'm no longer willing to give that 110. percent I'm going to give you 90. I'm going to give you enough where I'm not going to get singled out. Because I'll tell you something, Danny, and I could be wrong. Mm. It looked like to me, people like Bruno Fernandes sort of gave up the last few weeks, right? Now, I've seen Bruno Fernandes, and sometimes I've actually got frustrated in the sense that I felt like he was pressing on his own, where he was flannel the pitch. But then I saw Bruno Fernandes, I think it was after, I can't remember, it might have been something, I can't remember. I felt he is not playing with the same intensity, almost frustrated maybe with the players around him. I don't know. But it felt like, you know, you saw his mistakes at the weekend. You go back mm. to that Liverpool game, Donny, Bruno Fernandes has a guilty age opportunity the first couple of minutes that he put over the bar. Right? The penalty miss against West Ham hasn't scored in 13 games, which, you know, we hold him to such high standards. But I'm looking at a guy it also, and I felt that when you bring in Cristiano Ronaldo, this is going to work two ways, okay? As long as you're winning, it's fine. But when you look at the, the someone like Ronaldo, Ronaldo, those players were tweeting like fans, Danny, when Ronaldo signed. They, mm. He's a very, very powerful figure in that dressing room. Yeah. And I think that he's a winner. Won't accept any level of, you know, if you never get comfortable with losing or accepting or right, they're only... Eight points off Liverpool. There's no way they should be writing this season off. No way, especially when you look at what Tuchel did, right? Uh, coming to Chelsea, they should be looking at this going, we can still salvage this season. Solskjaer finished in the top four when he got Bruno Fernandes essentially in February. Done. Now, I accept that the COVID fixtures there was a lot more to be played, but I don't think they should be comfortable with writing off a season in, in December. So I'm just wondering, they, uh, just, just, sorry, man, just to finish up. Um, yeah. Donny van der Beek was his best player on Saturday. Saturday, right? Came mm-hmm. on, gave him everything, right? Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at these players going, that again, confidence, lack of confidence can look like a bad attitude, right? Yeah. Do you think the issue, the players didn't give up on, players give 100% to the end and uh, aren't, you know, we can uh, take, take responsible for their poor form, but do you think that they were professional? I I have had this debate so many times and and. It's been about a number of different clubs, you know, because the question is, the, the question the question always gets asked, you know, have the players given up on the manager? Have they done this? Have they done that? Have they, have they had enough? And my answer always to that is that I can only go off my own experiences. And my own experiences are that as players, it's a team game, but as players, we, we do at times become selfish and you have your own pride and I don't feel that any player, regardless of whether they don't like the manager anymore, whether they've given up on the manager, no one goes out on the pitch intentionally playing bad. There are reasons why teams play bad. Is it because they don't know, they don't actually know what's expected of them because of what's been going on in the training ground? So when they go on the pitch, they get things wrong. Is it because they are getting frustrated because they're doing the same thing and it doesn't seem to be working? But I just feel that, and, and it's thrown around so many times, they've stopped playing for the manager. They don't like the manager. I've never seen it. I never saw it once in the whole of my career. I played with players that couldn't stand the manager. But when they, when they turned up on 3pm on a Saturday, the only thing that mattered was, let's get three points and I'm going to play as well as I can for myself if it gets to that point. And that, that's how it is. So I, I've never, ever bought into players giving up on a manager. I, I've, I've seen players not understanding what the manager wants, so therefore they don't know what they're doing on the pitch. But as in terms of players giving up on a manager, like I say, maybe I'm naive, but I've never, ever seen it. And for every person that will say, well, they're giving up on the manager and this is why, I can give you an ulterior reason why it may look like they've given up on the manager, but it's just the actual fact they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So... 
No, I disagree. I would disagree with that if anyone said that. Oh, I've actually, sorry, I've muted my mic. I forgot to unmute it. <laughs> um, but I've, I've always thought that, mate. You know, I've listened to, I've, and this is a, a, a terrible uh, analogy, but I'll give it anyway. When I played football, mm -hmm. upset or whatever, once I play, once I go on the field, it, I'm, I'm selfish. It becomes about me. I want to. I want to satisfy exactly. my own ego. I want to. I want to satisfy. I want to score. And almost, And if I don't like someone, I almost want to do it to prove them wrong. Right. Where it's mm -hmm. like, if you, you know, I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna show that you're wrong, and I'm an, I'm the best player on this team. Whatever. What an ego. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so it led me to to do something to do that. Um. So I've always found that a bit odd. But Dan, and, and, and I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. Maybe it's okay. Right. Ten. One of the things that I can't understand, Ed, and again, I'm asking this purely from a layman's perspective to professional footballer, one, there's certain cliches around certain fixtures, right? And one of the cliches that surrounded the United Liverpool fixture was the form goes, form goes out the window when you need to play Liverpool because one of the things you're going to get is you're going to get blood and thunder. You're going to get players running the tackles. You're going to mm -hmm. get players playing for the shirt. Mate, even if you need to get a caretaker manager five minutes before that Liverpool game with no tactical application or no tactical game plan, just go out and play. I would have expected better than what we got because what the, the, this was a week, mate, after Brendan Rodgers turned around and said, you know, his midfield didn't press them, so they were able to walk through with it. They Liverpool walked through that midfield net where there was no cohesive pressing. Fred got slaughtered, but Fred looked like he was playing. It was Fred against the rest. Right, mm -hmm. and then going, where's the team? Like, what, what, so th this is incredible to me. Th it's so disjointed. There's, there's a few things that stood out for me from that Liverpool game. So, for, first and foremost, the lineup. I don't think it was anything that we didn't expect. I think I think we all expected that lineup. Um, so that was going into the game, and then you're thinking, right, okay. What Manchester United are going to do, which they've done against all you know teams that are better than them, let's be honest, mm -hmm. and been quite successful with it, is play counter-attacking football. The worst thing, and it seemed it, it, it will sound so bizarre for me to say it now, and you just touched on it a few minutes ago. The worst thing that United did was get that clear-cut opportunity early on in the game from Fernandez. Mm -hmm. Because they got that, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh. We can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Liverpool mm. and we can do this. And then before you know, it was what, 3-0, 4-0? Yeah. Whereas like I'm looking at that game, I'm thinking, right, okay, this is the setup you've got. You've got you've got both the fullbacks from Liverpool are such a key part of their game. But what United are going to do, they're going to sit back, they're going to sit deep, and then they're going to play on the counter-attack. But they didn't. The way that United set up, and this, this is what really concerned me, was that I thought the team lineup was, you know, the team that you would expect to see. But the way that they went about it, I thought was quite naive as in terms of being wide open. You, and you look at you look at Liverpool's goals. Liverpool are at their best when they can play counter-attacking and getting behind the opposition defence. Mm -hmm. Near enough, every single goal, they got behind United's defence. So well, the, the lineup didn't surprise me, but the way that they went about the game really surprised me. Well, Dan, I want to ask you about that because against uh, Sevilla a couple, a couple of seasons ago uh, in the final, Solskjaer said... Uh, we need a better, a better squad, okay? It's widely accepted today that this is probably, in terms of depth, one of United's best squads. We're talking about this summer. Oh, our defensive midfielder away from competing for the league. When was the hmm. last time you were able to say Manchester United were our one player short, right? And that's what well, the, largely the consensus was. Mm -hmm. But you only have a really good squad if you're willing to play those other players. And if you weren't willing to play those other players, um, no matter how bad someone plays, if you're on the fringes of that squad, I think, one, it sends a really bad message to the players that are desperate to get in the team. Uh, I think it also raises the question, what are the consequences for failure, if, if any? And if you don't fear consequences for failure, we, 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 we've credited Luke Shaw's rehabilitation mm. to partly down to the Alex Tellers and having someone on his yeah you, 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 you yeah know, so having that and, and we've seen that with other players too where hey you're placed on the threat you know and, and naturally produces but how threatened do does Harry Maguire feel how threatened does a number of those players feel because it seems like no matter 
But Van der Beek started five Premier League games last season. Jaden Sancho's already started more than that. Seems like some players, and I get that it's not all even done. There's things that goes on in training that you and that, that, that we don't yeah. see that that it goes into um, team selection. So it's not just about you know this is recreational soccer and everyone gets equal playing time. You have to earn it. I get that, um, but it seems to me Dan that that he doesn't have a lot of trust. And a number of those players, because he's in a situation there where he needs, he must win, and so he's picking the players that he trusts the most in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's no longer about performance. No, it's just a better result, right? And it seems to me it's still the same players, more or less. And I, I, I think they let him down. I think that um, you know, he, they're not delivering the performances, and I don't think that Van der Beek. I think two things hurt him on the weekend, man. I almost feel like if he had a loss 2-1, he may have survived because the second half performance wasn't too bad. It was better. But yeah. those two late goals were just, I think that's where you know, it went, that's it. Right? And, and again, it's not a deep methodical decision. It's reactionary. It's the same with coming from behind and winning. I've always said that's reactive, not proactive, and you're going to get caught out. So um, I, I, has he been too loyal to his players? It's, it's a difficult one because I think that I would love to have seen, because I know like Varane, he's, he's, he's only played a certain amount of games, hasn't he? Which is a shame. Yeah. Um, I would like to have seen, given it a few more weeks, if Varane didn't get injured, would the two in front have changed? Because part of me feels that, part of me feels that Solskjaer looked at it and thought to himself, right, okay, I've got one of my first choice centre-backs but I haven't, I haven't got my, my, you know, two first choice centre backs. So therefore, I've got to overcompensate in the midfield areas. I need both my fullbacks to go forward when possible because I'm not playing with wingers. So therefore, we are going to be exposed. So what I need is two midfielders that are just going to sit there, where we look at it and think, well, how about you know, if Varane is fit and you've got Maguire, why not Van der Beek and another next to him, allowing him to get forward? Or what about Pogba playing in the two, which he has done a couple of times, and getting forward from there? But I think there's a... I think without Varane in the team, I think it's actually... You're trying to take more insurance. And that's why you go with the two out-and-out midfielders. Sorry, defensive midfielders. And I think that in itself can can cause a problem because... You only have to look at the amount of goals that United have conceded this season. I think there's only two clubs that have conceded more in the Premier mm-hmm. League. That's that that's that's not acceptable. So you have to look at you have to look at that. And the that's only one team of the in the Premier things. League that hasn't scored from a set piece despite bringing the set piece coach too, which is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's so that there is there is a frustration. But my, my only concern now is that this drags on and drags on and drags on and drags on. Yeah. And, you get to the summer and you've still not appointed a new manager. Where's the club going to be then? Oh, man. And so yeah. the the decision needs to be made, but it, it it needs to be the right decision. But I don't think they've put themselves in the mm. best position to be able to make the right decision mm-hmm. because one of the things that we've seen over the years, obviously apart from this summer, more often than not, if United finish in the top four, they don't go out and spend much money. The only time they spend money is when they finish outside the top four. So this year, they tried to book the trend. Obviously, from that, the pressure goes straight on Solskjaer, and he's yeah. gone in no time. So it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting next few months to see what happens and who comes in. I mean, man, I have to say, you know, I've been a critic of the club. Uh, last question here, team, and I'm done. Thank yeah. you so much. I've been a massive critic of the club. But in some sense, you know, it, I, I, I can't... Yeah, they probably should have got him a defensive midfielder. But then, how many managers are getting everything they want at top oh, clubs? I'm you know, no, no, I'm just saying, so they, in the club's defence, they did back him. I would say oh, yeah. after two and a half years, everybody in that dressing room is there by choice. So even if you didn't sign them, you you kept them out. I mean, we asked the question, who signed Van der Beek? Um, it really doesn't matter because in the summer, Solskjaer sat him down and said, I want you to stay. Then gives yeah. him 15 minutes of football. Clearly, there's something about Van der Beek that Solskjaer didn't trust, right? Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. You know, I've heard lots of different things, but I I, I wouldn't be unfair to Van der Beek by speculating. Um, mm. But um, 
So I, I look at that and I think, uh, then the, the other question that never quite got settled was, can Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba play in the same midfield, right? For a while, I thought, yes, they can. They look good. But then you're looking at going, you know, when they play Pogba on the left, right? I remember, I think it was the Villarreal game played on the left, the Tellers on the left. They did two right footers on the left-hand side, right? Which made them extremely predictable. And going, that's not Paul Pogba, you know, best possession. And then that led me to another question, Dan, which to me is inexplicable. What Popov was turning 20 now, and I still can't tell you what his best position is. Now, if you're going to sit there and say, I want to be made the best, the most uh, highly compensated midfielder in the, in the Premier League, I would like to believe you're a shoo-in for your team, first of all. Secondly, you really, there really shouldn't be a mystery as to what your best position is. Thirdly, Dan, you, you, you can testify to this. Dan Fletcher said that when Paul Popper was a kid at Manchester United in the youth team, it was obvious then that he was someone that needed to play off the front, right? Because he didn't have a discipline or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it to play as a whole in midfielder or any other position. So United knew this. So essentially, the shoehorn him in that team, they're throwing him out in the left because Bruno Fernandes is taking that position, same problem with the front of the beat. So the question is, um, well, Paul Pogba, and Bruno Fernandes, can they play in the same team? And two, how much of it is a loss if he, if he leaves at the end of the season? So the, the the biggest problem that I have, and for me, Pogba gets so much criticism, mm-hmm. right? And I I've been I've been somebody that's always like, well, no, I, I'm I'm going to take it from a different perspective. So mm-hmm. if I give you if I give you record signings, so just we, we look at recent record signings. So you've got Lukaku uh, um, at Chelsea, you know, all right, Grealish, yes, to a certain extent, and Manchester City, but other big players that they've brought in at Manchester City. Liverpool, when they've brought in big players, um, you build a team around them. Yeah. You build a team around them. Mm-hmm. So Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba comes into to Manchester United and you hit the nail on the head. What is he? Mm-hmm. Is he a is he uh, an attack minded midfielder? Is he a midfielder that wants to dictate from deep? Because you're one or the other, you can't be both. And when he first came to Manchester United, it was like, well, Paul Pop was going to be the man that gets the ball and sets the chances up, but he's also going to be one of our lines of defence. So when we're defending, he can deal with that. Those plays don't exist. Mm. They those plays mm-hmm. do not exist. You, you're either you're either a Kante, or you're a Fernandez. Or you're a Kante, or, or you're a, a Rodri, or a Fabinho, or you're a De Bruyne. Yeah. You're not both. But for so long at Manchester United, Paul Pogba was expected to be both. The team, when you spend that amount of money on a player, you build the team around that player. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's, he's never had a team built around him. People talk about him, oh, well, he did this at Juventus, and he did that at Juventus, mm-hmm. and... He wasn't the star man at Juventus. He didn't need to be. He had the likes of PLO next to him that would that would run the show. And he'd say, go on, Paul. You're going to do what you want. You're going to express yourself going forward. So I the, the, the frustrations with me, and people say, oh, well, look at him when he goes and plays for France. Look, when he goes and plays for France, mm-hmm. he wants to play for France. He obviously don't want to play for Manchester United. That's a load of rubbish. Yeah, look who he's I, playing with at France. Yeah, I know. He's got, he's got Kante next to him. Go on, Pogba, you go and do what you want to do. Go and express yourself going forward and I'll protect you and I'll make sure that everything's right here. He doesn't have a defined position at Manchester United where the team has been built around him. And I tell you now, if he leaves United next summer on a free, his next club, he will shine because he's a world-class talent. Um, but at times, at times a frustrating one as well, and I get that. Of course. Um you know, in all honesty, Don, I do, I wanted them to succeed at United. Uh, yeah. I, was, I, I was so excited when they signed him. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was such an exceptional talent that Juventus, you thought, he still is. Assuring. No, he, the thing about Pogba for me is he has remarkable ability, right? For mm-hmm. a guy, you know, the, Paul Pogba is one of those players. See if you see him live, he looks totally different than what you see on the TV, right? Yeah. First of all, his presence, he's like a gazelle. He's like a Rolls Royce. He has, yeah. in some ways, Don, the fact that he has so much ability, he's almost worked against him. Because if he had to work just a little bit harder to close that gap, you know, um, I, he is just, he, he, he has so much talent, right? Um and you hear Paul School's criticism of him, but then the stud rules and everything else. And I see some of that too, right? Um, I, I feel that uh, 
he didn't have the experience like the Marquisios, the PLOs that he had at Juventus. 100%. That United didn't give him that. You know, there's a difference between playing, and I'm not being disrespectful to Scott McTominay, but Scott, you know, Marquisio or Scott McTominay or Piero, you know, I feel like if Pogba had a broken into that treble winning team, you know, we'd be looking at a whole different Paul Pogba because you'd had the experience of discipline beside him the, to, to, to allow him to be the player that you needed want him to the, the greatest, and I may be biased, but the greatest midfield player in my time watching the Premier League, Paul Scholes. Yeah. The greatest. Absolutely, man. What, a, what he could do with a football, I could only dream about. He was just phenomenal. Whether, like, I was lucky enough to be in his team a few times, but then play against him. He used to make Stoke City's pitch, which was one of the smallest in the Premier League, look like Wembley times two. He just always looked as though he had so much time on the ball. Would would people have would did people criticize him? He's not doing his defensive side of the game, he's not tracking mm. back and he's not doing that. No, they didn't. Yeah. And that's the thing. Paul Pogba's coming to a club which is which is which was struggling when he came in, and he was expected to be the player that was going to create goals, score goals, and stop them from going in. And that's where I think the criticism to a certain extent is is unjust. Now, if he was to leave Manchester United tomorrow and go to a, it's not going to happen, but say he went to Manchester City or say he went to Chelsea or, you know, a, a team right at the top of their game, he would be arguably the best player at the club. But you have to surround him with players that yeah. are going to help him do what he needs to do. But see, man, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the structure that uh, you needed yeah. need to have some sort of identity in place to bring players in to complement that rather than you know piecemealed and you know sort of not having not, not building properly ban the roof before you put the you know before you put the floor in and then wondering why because we see this a lot Don. right one of the things i'll see is a player come to united play poorly then and he was exceptional before he left then go somewhere else where whoever buys him have bought him for a team that complements their strengths, they go in exactly. and bang, you see a totally different player. Yeah. And it wasn't that they were that bad, it was but they weren't suited to a month. And this is why I feel it's important that you get the you know, when when you need to replace Solskjaer, they have to replace him with someone similar ideology so that you're not having revolution again going, yeah, I know we're set up to play four up front, but actually I want to play five, three, two. We're getting rid of our wingers and 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 here. So um Last 300 questions. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Uh, so, uh, Gian Santo, are you concerned or no? Um, not yet. You know, it's, it's, it's very new for him. Obviously, coming back, he's not really had an extended run in the team. So, you know, he's going to get the opportunity. So, so I, I, I feel that he's... Obviously, you know, people are going to feel as always got a point to prove, but he's got the quality. You don't lose your quality overnight. And what I would say as well is that I think it's so important, Phil, and I know you probably disagree with it, but the next manager that comes into the club, the club has to... The United aren't in a position at the moment. The United aren't the United of 11 years ago where they can go and say, right, you're yeah. going to come to this club and you're going to be happy to manage Manchester United. Right. They've mm -hmm. got to go to the best managers and say, listen, the success you've had at other clubs, you're going to bring here. And if it means us ripping up the rule book to a certain extent and doing things a little bit different, we're going to do that. I'd be okay with that. I'd be married. I'm, I'm not married to some sort of ideology. I just want you it's to, to be entertainment and win games. That, that, that's it, you know. And, and people say, well, you've tried this, you've tried mm. that. Go go and get a manager in now that's had the success and say to him, you come to the club, any manager that comes to the club is going to have their eyes open because they're going to, they're going to be like, well, why, why is it being, oh. being done like this? And you have to give them the money. Any manager that comes in, like Guardiola did, like Tuchel did, like Klopp, they will have gone into their clubs and said, we're not doing it this way. We're doing it this way. You have to earn that right. So, for example, Sir Alex Ferguson, when he left the club, yes, you know what? The next manager that comes in, this is how we play at this club. Mm -hmm. This is our ideology because he'd had years of success. United haven't had success for what for what Manchester United success is for nearly 10 years. So any manager that's coming in, I'd be saying to him, listen, bring your success with you. And if it means you have to change certain things about this club, then you do it. Yes, we have our... We have our beliefs and our identity. And I'm not talking about on the pitch, but of how we carry ourselves. But on the pitch, if you want to play three at the back, you want to play five at the back, you want to play one at the back, you bring success, we go with it. 
And that's it. Nah, look, I, I don't expect that United, when they brought in uh, Sir Matt, his job was to be a, a slightly better uh, Walter Crickmer, you know? So you mm. know, he, he had to bring in your own ideas, your own. And yes. then, of course, this was so successful. I also feel, Dan, and maybe we're being a wee bit over, uh, maybe a bit, bit arrogant as United fans, thinking that United have this very rigid core identity of a certain 4 3 3 where you always play wingers. Not Look, the only thing I could really say with any high degree of confidence that would be consistent with United's identity is youth and wingers, right? That's it. But because, and so that is the only thing that you could really say, you know, um, that. You know, when you think of Manchester United, Barcelona is 4-3-3. Yes, that's Cruyff. That, that is to, a, a, a mold that was created a long time ago. But if United came out next week, didn't play wingers and won 3-4-0, I wouldn't care. You know, that's no. less important to me. No. And that, and the, but this is what we talked about earlier with these silly red lines of we're not sending this player or that player. You know, mm. and I also accept, mate, that there's enormous pressure to play young players today. And you have not illustrated this point perfectly to me in the past about the, the gap between under-23 football and Premier League football. And maybe the only thing Alan Hansen got wrong was the, was the era. Because I think it is but- harder and harder now to bring in young players. And I mean, like, lots of them. We see this young kid at City, uh, Cole Palmer, I guess his name is. Very, yes, very talented yes. young player. But... Man, just imagine the talent and the level you have to be to get in that city team but, if you're a young kid. But, but Phil, it's not just that. And I've spoken to managers about this before mm. from all different uh, from all different types of clubs. And it's easier at some clubs to play younger players than it is at others. Mm. So you look at you it, you yeah. look at the yeah. Well, you you look at the class of '92 that came through. Phenomenal. Yeah. Will never happen again. Yeah. But those players came into the team because the team was full of winners. Right, 100%. The, right. Team, the, the team was in a consistent basis. You know, they, they'd won the Premier League in recent times and they'd won FA Cups and things like that. You look at Guardiola now. Brings mm-hmm. young players in because he brings them in. The difference is, if you look <clears> at Manchester United back then when the likes of your Nevilles, your Beckhams, your Butch, your Skulls... When they... We didn't say United reserves. Yeah, so anyway, me. so 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 what I'm what I'm saying is is that when those players were brought through, and the same at Manchester City now, and the same when Liverpool are bringing through some youngsters now, the senior players can look after the young players because they're also in good form and they're also yes. near the top of the league and they're also used to winning things. You bring younger players into a team that's not being successful and is struggling struggling to find form. The senior players can't look after the younger players because they're trying to find right. their own form. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so key. Good point. About, it's all right. It's all right saying, you know what, Manchester United, they're all about bringing youngsters through and things like that. You, When you're bringing youngsters through, they have to have the right senior professionals with them. What I mean by the right senior professionals is the ones that have been successful, the ones that are winning, and they can actually look after their own game as well as the younger players' games. And United can't do that at the moment because mm. there's so many of the senior players just keeping their head above the water is in terms of their, their 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 quality and their standard at the moment. So you have to choose the right time to bring these younger players through. Simple as that. Mick, um, but to finish up, last question. Um, for those of you who have missing your dulcet tones, you are now, of course, uh, commentator for Philadelphia Union. What's uh, the, 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 the Philadelphia Union? Is that right, mate? And, um, yeah, really. In the it's been really good. To, yeah, so the first season's just finishes in terms of what we're what we're able to do. The union there now. Um, they're in the playoffs. They won the the game against Red Bull at home, one nil. 120 minutes, they scored in the 123rd minute extra time. What a finish it was. It was brilliant. Uh, Jacob Glesnes, if you haven't had the chance, see the goal. Uh, and then NBC as well with the Premier League. They're, they're an absolute privilege to work for. Great people there, as you know. And, yes, they're you know, they, fantastic, they, wonderful they, people. They, yeah, they've just got the Premier League extended, you know, for okay. the next six years. So it's it's brilliant. They fully deserve it. Great people there. So, yeah, yeah it's been it's been a really enjoyable first year here, that's um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the NBC boys, girls, uh, everyone involved there, done Amazing. an outstanding job, wonderful people, and really committed to bringing, to growing football yeah. in this country. And, and one thing I've always liked about it, mate, is um, they're not snobby about it. You know, they're willing to go out and do all these big fan things in the yeah. bars and make sure there's connection between... And they're bringing wrestlers, and they're bringing everyone else, and it's a great experience for everyone. Yeah. At uh, at, at, you know, as I said, I've worked worked for NBC. Um, you know, my podcast on there for for a while, for a year and a half, two years. 
Um, I know Robbie Yard must know very well, two very, very close friends of mine. Great, so it's a great privilege for me, mate, you know, to be friends with all that panel. Yeah. And uh, I know how committed you all are. Um, and uh, like you said, NBC got the contract route. Last question, mate, quick uh, two part question. One, how would you rate the job all he did? And two, who would you replace him with? Oh, wow. So the job that the job that oh, that Ollie did. I'm gonna say C. Yeah, I was gonna say roughly the same because you know he re- he reconnected the supporters yeah. and 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 things like that and brought some good times brought some good times back some great results. Um, but then obviously at the end, you know, it was it, it yeah. was sad to see. So really? I'll probably go with you there as a as a C. As in terms of a manager, who who would who I like to him? see come in? I, mm. I would love to see. A Zidane come in. Who do I Me think too. does replace him? I think Pochettino ends up coming next summer. Yeah, I think it's a Pochettino or Brendan. Just next summer. Just but surely, Dan, if you're Pochettino, you look at this and you go, you know what? That job may not be there in the summer because what if you need to do appoint an interim guy who's exceptional? That uh, that opportunity could pass you by. I think if you're Pochettino, you should push to get her nigh, especially the January transfer window, just about four or five weeks away. Perfect opportunity yeah. to get in, but um, you don't, you don't, and surely if you're PSG, mate, and you've got Mitchell Pacchettino batting his eyelids at United, you go, you know, we can win the yeah. with or without Pacchettino to flee. Maybe we just do this now. I'm not yeah. certain that they are completely committed to him, but we shall mm. see. Dan, yes. as always, mate, first class legend. Wish you nothing but the best. It's Thanksgiving here in the United States this week, so you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, mate. You too, mate. And uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. As always, fascinating analysis. Take it easy, big man. Take care, mate. See you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.